is no matter what business you're doing, show up authentically. Do what you do with joy and go above and beyond what's required of you. Make your service so outstanding that people don't want anyone else but you, your product and your service. Have you ever let stress get the better of you? Want to know how to maximize your productivity? My name is Tommy Bowie. Follow me as I deep dive into the minds of successful entrepreneurs and industry professionals on the tools, tips, and strategies they use to overcome stress and boost productivity in their daily lives, especially when the going gets tough and the stakes are high. This is the Stressless Entrepreneur Podcast. My guest today is a former corporate executive and serial entrepreneur. She is the president of Aerobics Yoga and More, an Atlanta-based corporate wellness company, co-founder of the online stock photo company Diversity Photos, and a founding partner of the business consulting firm Consultuso. She is the author of best-selling fiction novel Losing Control and an entrepreneur self-help book 20, and her music album Guided Meditations with Althea tops the Amazing New Age bestsellers list in 2019. As a 24-year certified fitness expert, seasoned yoga instructor, and an international holistic healing guide, she has created programs for John Hopkins Hospital and Kaiser Permanent, in addition to hosting 17 Living Life Limitlessly wellness retreats in Southeast Asia, Africa, Central America, the Caribbean, and the US, ranking her in the top six wellness retreats of 2019. She's been highlighted in magazines including Mantra Yoga Plus Health, Best Self, Essence, Parenting, Upscale, and Oxygen. She's wife of 24 years and a mother of two. My guest today is Althea Lawton-Thompson. Althea, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Tommy. Thank you. Althea, I wanted to get you on the show today because you are a holistic wellness expert who has a plethora of tools under your belt that can help our entrepreneurs reduce stress as they chase their business goals. And I wanted to go through as many of them as we can for the time that I have you. But before we talk about all that, are you able to quickly let us know a little bit about yourself? Sure. I happen to be not only a holistic wellness practitioner, but also a serial entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So I own a corporate wellness company and I have a global wellness retreat that I host in several different countries each year. And then outside of wellness, I am partnered on a stock photography company called mm -hmm. Diversity Photos that has just partnered with Adobe Stock last year. And I have a small firm called Consultuoso where we help struggling entrepreneurs. Now, it seems as though you're managing multiple streams of income and multiple businesses. Are there any mm -hmm. current challenges that come with that? There are, and, and what I've tried to do is to find the right people to help me in areas where I know I am deficient. I'm not the strongest. I rely very heavily on my accountant and my attorney, yep. and I have both a personal assistant and a virtual assistant that replies to a lot of phone calls and emails for me. But I think my personality is one where I really like to wear different hats and switch up my personality style to do different things. I get a little bit bored in one area and one lane, and I like to see what different skill sets I have. 
So it's helpful in wearing all the different hats, but for sure, I have a team that comes in to help out where I'm deficient. Talking about different hats, for each particular business or venture, uh, whether it be the stock photo company or the wellness coaching hat, do you have different roles in each of those companies or are they very similar? They are completely different. That's a great question. Okay. With diversity photos, for instance, I am one of the minority shareholders as a co-founding partner. So my other two partners hold the majority of the stock and therefore they are really running the majority of the business. The role I play in that one is as the creative director and I'm a VP. So when we have a shoot request from Adobe stock and they want something very particular, then I'm the one that is finding models and photographers and selecting locations and making sure that the shoot goes smoothly so we get the end result of what we want for Adobe stock. Mm -hmm. Whereas with the corporate wellness company, I'm the president and the founder. So a lot of the programming of what we offer, the negotiation with different companies and the HR directors within those companies, that all falls on me. And then with Consultuoso, I'm really blessed to have four partners in that one. And my specialty is trademarks. So I'm the one that's doing all of the trademark process, the legalities behind that, and then working with people on more of their creative, their marketing. So it's interesting to play all those different roles. Are we able to talk a little bit more about holistic wellness and what it is? Are you able to describe that to our listeners, what holistic wellness means to you? For sure. We're in an interesting time with some of the illnesses that are happening around the world. COVID-19 right now is is pretty prevalent. Mm -hmm. And this is a perfect example of something where people are using medicine and virus and bacteria killing products like bleach or Lysol to keep the illness at bay. But when we talk about holistic wellness, we're trying to find things that are natural to the environment that could build our immunity, protect us, and keep us healthy and happy. So an example would be instead of using bleach to clean in the house, I might use a blend of white vinegar and baking soda and essential oils of lemon and peppermint. Shake all of that up and that will kill bacteria and germs the same way as bleach and be less harmful to my body because it doesn't release chemicals. Another example might be finding joy and happiness through meditation or physical activity that boosts the immunity in the body. So I'm less susceptible to picking up an illness or germs that might be in the air or on a surface. More fruit and vegetables versus processed food. I know a lot of people right now are stocking up on non-perishable goods in case the location where they are is shut down. Mm -hmm. There are some perishable goods that are still available and depending on where we are in the world might even be growing around our homes which could be eaten. And again, they improve immunity within the body. So when we talk about holistic wellness, we're talking about overall practices, not only of diet, but also preventive care, movement activity, and even the mind-body balance, how we're thinking. Yeah, you mentioned perishables and non-perishables. In Australia, we're quite known for our fresh produce. And Mm -hmm. until recently, 
there was a good balance of stock for both perishables and non-perishables. But now we're talking about pasta all gone, rice all gone, and all the canned wow. foods like tomatoes and, and baked beans, they're out of stock in the shelves and it's quite hard to find it. Yet, you know, we have fresh broccoli that's just plenty of them waiting to, to go. Exactly. It's the exact same way here. So I, I, I encourage lots of people to take advantage of the fresh fruits and vegetables because it'll probably keep us healthier in the long run. Mm-hmm. You mentioned quickly essential oils in your routine. Are you able to describe to our listeners what essential oils is and what is aromatherapy? Yes, for sure. Thank you for asking. Aromatherapy is using the essences of different plants that are distilled with water to create essential oils. And they can be used in multiple ways. One form, aromatherapy specifically, is done by putting drops of the essential oil into water and then heating the water so that it's distilled or steamed into the air. And the essence of it, some essential oils calm people. Other ones help people to get very grounded, make people very thoughtful or intuitive. Others uh, create a more meditative, more deep intuitive energy. So each of the essential oils has its properties that create an atmosphere, but those essential oils can also be used topically. So for instance, tea tree, is a cleansing antibacterial essential oil. So if there's a scratch not too deep on the skin and somebody wanted to cleanse that, they could use tea tree to cleanse it. Now, I'm not recommending that to your listeners without first checking with their physician or doing a skin test to see if they have allergies, Mm -hmm. but that is how people would use it if they had already been released or approved by a medical physician to do that. Lavender for instance, is a healing essential oil. So in that same instance of the cut, you would use tea tree to cleanse it, but then you would follow it with lavender for healing. But then lastly, essential oils could be used on the skin if diluted with a carrier oil, like jojoba oil or vitamin E or unscented almond oil. And then it could be rubbed on the skin like a lotion or a cream. And that's what people use for massage oils. And then it goes right back to the aromatherapy. It smells wonderful. And then you carry that sense or energy of whichever essential oil you use with you for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. You mentioned lavender and its healing effects. I have friends who use aromatherapy, especially lavender, and they swear by it to help them fall asleep. But then I have... For sure. I also have friends who are on the other side of the camp who just say it's just the smell and it doesn't have any healing effects. Do you have any commentary for those type of people who may be initially resistant to aromatherapy and essential oils? I do. I think it's really a good idea for everyone to research. Do as much research as you can. Prior to a lot of our medical practices in the present day, plants, trees, flowers were used for healing thousands of years before our current medical processes. So my recommendation is to do some research, read up, but also look at how many medical institutions are now incorporating some of these holistic mind-body practices and medicines in what they're doing, plant medicines I'm speaking of. 
yep. in treatments within their hospital systems. The holistic approach, is this something that you carry with you into corporate wellness as well? It is, and it's really exciting to see how many companies are very open and not only open, but looking for practitioners that do yoga, meditation, Pilates, aromatherapy. We have many of our top 40 country, or companies here in the United States that are hiring people to work with their employees, their staff, even their executives on finding ways to calm, create team building, prevent illness, to keep their employees at work, and then happy while working. And are there any common themes that you're seeing in terms of stress and stress management in the corporate wellness space between employees and executives? I do. It's interesting to see how many executives are gaining benefits from meditation themselves and recognizing that those benefits can really trickle down to the teams that work for them. So I would say with, we have one particular company that we've been working with for 11 years and we have provided variety of different programs for them from dance fitness to boot camp interval training classes kickbox box aerobics yoga and then we do health education lunch and learns where we'll go in and do one hour workshops during lunchtime meditation was something we did not add into their program until about a year or two ago and where a lot of the other programs have fallen off the kickboxing, the dance aerobics, the boot camp classes, they've all fallen to the wayside over the last 11 years. The class that has made it from the beginning is the yoga class and the meditation. And we see the executives coming to the class, which encourages their teams to come. Mm -hmm. So that's really been something fascinating to watch the transition over the years what's been able to last the longest. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because, you know, I know that corporate companies in the past advise maybe it's best that we take some time out of our lunch to go for a run or hit the gym, you know, mm -hmm. be active. Whereas now it's like, let's pause for a moment and reflect and meditate. So that is for me a, quite an interesting turnaround when it comes to or even a different approach to just wellness. Absolutely, I agree. And... You also organize wellness retreats, right? I do, yes. Are you able to tell us a little bit more about that journey and also leading into the current challenges, obviously with COVID-19 and just mm -hmm. that social distancing guidelines? Yeah, well, the, it's interesting. The reason that I started doing the wellness retreats is because I owned a yoga studio at the time and my business partner and sister was diagnosed with cancer mm -hmm. and she was quarantined in the hospital for six months. She didn't get to come home for six months. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I had to run our yoga studio by myself and teach both of our classes and do all the corporates. And, you know, I'm a, a wife and a mother, so I was still taking care of my household and my responsibilities and her household. And I realized that I needed a break. I was stressed. I was losing weight. And so I took a day off and went hiking in the woods and swimming. And there was a lodge on the property of the park where I was. 
And I thought, wouldn't it be lovely to spend two or three days out here? It was only about an hour and a half drive from my home. So it wasn't too far away. And I thought that was something that other people might enjoy. So I mentioned it to the different corporate clients that I had, asked them to promote it. And I promoted it to the students at our yoga studio. And we had 12 people register for that first retreat in 2011. And from that time, it has turned into annual retreats that have been held in Bali, South Africa, Costa Rica, Puerto Rico, throughout the Caribbean, and here in the United States. And now I've held 17, I call them living life limitlessly, living Mm -hmm. life limitlessly retreats. And I call them that because my sister did pass away in 2012. And one of the things that she talked about were the things that she always wanted to do. So I branded the retreats, living life limitlessly, doing all the things that you may want to do. But now with COVID-19 and coronavirus, not only are my retreats on hold, but a lot of the clients that I work with on helping them host their own retreats have been postponed or canceled. And what's interesting about that is it has led me into a new entrepreneurial endeavor where I now am well-versed in travel insurance Mm -hmm. and (laughs) how to protect people who are registered for trips with any company on how they can recoup any costs that are lost for um, some of these trips where they may not be getting any money back. So where it is a challenge on one side and that trips are being postponed, they're being canceled, it is teaching me a lot about travel insurance industry. And now I'm a representative for one of those companies. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's really testing us as an entrepreneur, isn't it? To be able to pivot on our toes and understand that we always need to constantly be evolving our business. Absolutely. I mean, if it wasn't for that, I don't think that's the part of the industry I would have gotten into. And people always ask me about travel insurance before a trip. And I just send them out there to say, hey, just look up insurance companies. But now I was forced to become an expert in that area. And I I think it's a benefit to my business offerings. Mm -hmm. Which leads to my next question. Throughout your entrepreneurial journey, you would have created many different products and service offerings. You know, you've published a book called 20 and a few others, and you've released a guided meditation music album. Are there some common themes in terms of challenges throughout the journey of creating those products? Mm -hmm. That's funny. Definitely some challenges, (laughs) but then also some strength building benefits. And number one, I would say patience, patience, patience. And I I make a joke sometimes and I'll say, I thought I learned patience by doing yoga, but then I had my children. And then I realized, no, I really learned patience by being a mother. Mm -hmm. And then I decided to write and publish a book. And I was like, oh, no. Now I have learned (laughs) what (laughs) patience is because the process can be lengthy. Not only patience, but also being willing to stick with it. Don't give up just because there's challenges or things fail or they don't work out. 
when I was making the album Guided Meditations, we had issues on the tech side. We had issues with some of the music and getting um, tonality right. I think I was traveling internationally and the producer was in the United States and there was a glitch. And when I sent the music to him before I left the country, and then, you know, I was in a very rural area just trying to find Wi-Fi that was strong enough for me to even get the music in its original format back to him. Once we finally finished the product, even getting it loaded in a way that it could be sold on Amazon and iTunes and Spotify and all of the different resources for music distribution, not just in the United States, but internationally, we had glitches there. Yep. and were turned down from some sites and had to start all over again. So I think being willing to stick to your plan, even when the plan fails over and over and over again, will make an entrepreneur strong. Mm -hmm. Figuring out how to change or pivot what you were doing to still get to the end result of what you want is really important. And then having patience throughout that and not just patience with other people, but even patience with ourselves. Mm -hmm. I am my own best friend, but I had to learn how to be patient with myself through the process of publishing both my books and producing that album. Yeah, and this is where when people talk about singular words, you know, patience it comes in many different forms and factors. You know, patience in meditation could be patience in thought, and then patience in with your children is maybe patience in frustration or that uh, mm -hmm. inner or external emotion. And then with your book editing, and that's patience in understanding business processes and systems. So even just one singular word, there are so many ways that we can approach that in gaining a better self-awareness on how we respond to them. I absolutely agree. Absolutely. And your audiobook, it's about guided meditation. Do you have any ad advice for many of our listeners who are just starting out in meditation and they're not too sure which approach, whether it's silent meditation, guided or unguided meditation, is the best way for them to start doing it? Because I know that silent meditation may be very difficult for beginners to even just do five minutes of. You're right. It, it is challenging for a, a lot of people to just decide to sit still even for two minutes. Mm. That's hard for a lot of people. There are so many different styles of meditation, which I think is amazing. And so I'm going to go back to something I said earlier. I think research is a great place to start for anyone to simply go online and see what different types of meditation exist and then find some that might work for each individual because we're all so unique. But then secondly, I think some of the styles like mindfulness are really easy for all age groups, all personality types to do. And with mindfulness, you're simply paying attention to your five senses individually. And time seems to fly by when we do that. So for example, if someone is listening, I would encourage them to close their eyes, stop moving and just pay attention to every sound they hear in addition to both your voice, Tommy, and mine on this podcast. Do they hear birds chirping? Do they hear the hum of aircon or a heater? Do they hear paper 
rustling or people talking in the background or leaves blowing, that's a form of mindfulness. Or for them to open their eyes while they're listening to me say this and pay attention to everything they see, the colors, the shapes, shadows, light, dark, words, letters, are they blurry? Are they sharp? Is it in front, behind, to the side, above, below? Everything they feel. What's the temperature like? What am I wearing? How does the fabric feel against my skin? Is the position that I'm sitting or standing in really comfortable? Do I need to shift or adjust? Mm -hmm. That's considered a mindfulness meditation. And when people really tune in that way, they stop thinking about the past and they're not thinking about what's coming next because they're tuned in to the very moment. And the end result of most forms of meditation is to tune everything out and be right where you are. Just be present in the moment and then let go of everything to let in peace and silence. And I think the COVID-19 situation has forced people to be in the present moment and to self-reflect and reassess what is important to them. I want to talk about self-isolation and quarantine. A lot of Mm. us uh, have been taken away from our daily routine and our structure and now just given, you know, 14 days to, to be at home and to do our best to move forward. Is there any quick tips you can give our listeners to make sure that they make the most use of these 14 days or days that they're in self-isolation? Yeah, I do have some fun tips, fun tips, but then also some ones that might not be as fun, but they can be really beneficial to what happens at the end of the 14 days. I'll start with the fun one and then I'll just alternate between them. Mm-hmm. One fun one is if you're living alone or even with someone else, this is a great time to do some self-portraits. Take your cell phone and get some great selfies. Put on some makeup if you're a woman, you know, put on a really nice jacket if you're a man and find a setting in your home. You don't have anything else to do. So you might as well just stage a photo shoot. I grabbed my tripod today and I went into the backyard. It's wooded here where I live. And I just took some great shots under a tree just Mm -hmm. with all the different colors. So that's something fun to do to be creative and just do something different. You have time, so why not? Then on a more serious note, we mentioned two books that I published. One book was a fiction book and the other one is a business self-help book. Most people have a story inside of them. I will venture to guess everyone has a story inside of them based on their experiences, their background, their expertise and know-how. And I think this is a really wonderful time to start writing, get typing, speak it into a voice recorder and get it out there. A lot of people talk about, man, if I had the time to write a book, well, now you do. Mm -hmm. So I don't see why not. It can't hurt anything. And then when 14 days are up, you might be surprised by what you have to produce. Another one that may not be too much fun for some, but it might be fun for others is to purge, clean up, clean out a drawer, just one drawer in the house and maybe in the kitchen or in your office. Get rid of some things that you don't need anymore. And when these two weeks are up, you'll be really grateful to yourself that you did that one. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are using video messaging to chat with friends and family that normally we wouldn't have the time to connect with. So even though we're socially distancing from one another, 
I've been in at least three Zoom groups with more than four people in the last two days. And some of them have been business related, but others have just been fun, just catching up, playing music, dancing, talking about something we have in common, parenting or entrepreneurship or holistic wellness. So I think this is a wonderful time to reconnect with family and friends through any of the group social media opportunities. I want to reinforce the three ideas that you uh, spoke about. The first is is writing and developing a book. I like that you mentioned that you don't necessarily just need to write. You know, you, you can be recording on a recorder. You can speak into your phone and then we can get that transcribed. So for those of people who fear writing, they could be speaking and still produce a book. And when it comes to purging, I spoke about this in my recent podcast episode is that this is the perfect time for you to self-assess your historical purchases, your transactions and say, well, how has that impacted me in my current scenario? Because a lot of people, their jobs have been affected. So income has been affected. And how long they can go without income is dependent on how much money they spent and what their lifestyle was previously. So that's a key thing to do. Very similar to purging, but just, a, you know, we can do that while we're purging as well. It's like, well, I spent so much money on this and now I'm purging it all. So that's a great way to self-reflect. And then the social aspects, uh, socializing is, is key to keeping each other sane. And I think the video aspect, you know, seeing each other on video is so important nowadays. And not many people are taking advantage of video, whether it be FaceTime or Zoom. And the key word is, I think, reconnecting with different types of people as well to build that circle of friends or the people that you've kind of forgotten about as well. Yeah, I love all of that. So what's next for Althea? What's coming in terms of the next 12 months, noting that there is this uncertainty around the corner? Well, I'll tell you, Tommy, it's so cool. I have been doing a lot of uh, video posts and interviews of, about things to do, a holistic mind body. And I decided to take my own advice on a few things. So I have been taking Spanish lessons online with a professor in Colombia, in South America. Yep. And we do it as a Zoom video three days out of the week. And it has turned into immersion because my skills have really improved a lot. Uh, so over the next 12 months, what I would like to do is to start offering some online programs and some of my teachings in Spanish okay. and opening up to a whole new clientele. I already host some of my retreats in Central America. I'll be hosting my fourth Costa Rica retreat this year in July, if everything goes as planned. But my hope is that for a part of that trip, that I conduct a lot of it in Spanish and start incorporating some Spanish learning for my guest from the United States while we're in Central America. So that's just something kind of fun. You know, it, it's fun, but then it could also turn into a really great business opportunity down the line. That's fantastic to hear as well. And, and it comes down to providing value to our customers and, uh, and those around us. And it's great to hear that you're constantly trying to figure out ways, even though there is this downtime where you can expand your reach and deliver to the customers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a great time to pick up a new skill to get outside of our own boxes. I, I like to think that I'm expanded, but I know that I have my comfort zones. 
So I have really challenged myself to step outside of my comfort zone over the last two weeks. And even with the travel insurance, I had to really like get quiet and focus to go through that training and understand it and become a representative for it. So I, I know that this is the challenging time for a lot of people. I do have friends that are in the hospital now on respirators dealing with coronavirus complications. Mm -hmm. And so there's a part of me that is sad, that's doing a lot of prayerful meditation for friends and family that are ill. But at the same time, there's a part of me that is super, super grateful for this gift of time, of being shut into my home to open up a world of opportunity that I don't think would have been afforded to us if we had continued doing what we were doing in our daily activities. And one of those opportunities is to learn something new and study it almost like we're back in school again. Talking about taking ourselves outside of our comfort zone, I know that when it comes to stress and stress management, one of the best ways we can reduce stress is by predicting it, by goal setting and by journaling. Do you goal set and journal? And what does journaling mean to yourself? That is a really good question. I have been journaling since 1988, since I was a senior in high school. Yep. And I'm a 49-year-old woman now. So I have boxes and boxes of journals. I went back to a journal from six years ago to see what was I thinking about in March of 2014. And in March of 2014, I was super stressed out, ridiculously stressed out. I had laid out all of these goals and plans for myself monetarily, plans for what I was going to do creatively. And at the end of that particular journal, it lasted a year and a half. I was disappointed because I had not met some of the fiscal goals I'd set for myself. I had not met some of the physical goals I had for myself. And I was really frustrated at the end of that journal. In some of my travels, I've had the blessing of spending a lot of time with spiritual gurus from Mm -hmm. different indigenous groups of people. And my mindset has completely shifted. I don't really set goals like that anymore. And I know that that's counterintuitive for a lot of business people, but I mean, my background is business. I'm a former corporate executive. My degree is in business administration. I went to business school. I worked in the area of finance for four years in corporate and human resources. So I know how counterintuitive what I'm saying is, but I'm telling you my business expanded exponentially when I let go of the reins and I stopped planning so hard. I haven't let go of plans and goals, but they're not as rigid as they used to be. And when I journal, to the second part of your question, I'm journaling about messages that I receive in my dreams. I download information from YouTube or things that I research, and I journal about what I learn or what I listen to and how it's impacting my life and my business in ways that I wouldn't have imagined six years ago. Mm -hmm. I journal about the way that I'm transforming and changing as a person, as a woman, as a wife, as a mother, 
as a business owner, as an international traveler, as a holistic healing guide. Yep. It, it's just amazing to look at myself in the mirror and see who I am today because that's not who I was just a few short years ago. So that's what my journaling process is is about. Yeah, and journaling in a sense was, I think, one of the reasons why you were able to assess why goal setting in the way that you did it wasn't working for you. And it comes down to setting expectations that were maybe a bit harder to reach or you were able to look back and say, well, was what I was doing in terms of that happiness versus wealth concept, was that actually causing me more stress than happiness? And then it's about just rewinding and saying, I should still be goal setting, but just not to the degree that I was before because I'm just setting myself up to becoming unhappy. You are absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. And when you say I'm still goal setting, but in a different way and more realistic goals, you're again, absolutely correct. Because I think society plays such a huge part in what we think our goals are. Mm -hmm. That's probably what I noticed in going back and reading some of my journals. Society is no longer deciding what my end goal should be. And I'm going to be really transparent for a moment if I can. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say that back then, a certain dollar amount in my bank account was a goal for me. Whereas now my goal is how can I easily and happily and joyfully pay all of my contractors, all of my employees, and still be able to travel the world and expand my business. How can I do that? It's not linked to a specific dollar amount. Yep. However that works, I receive that. And now that's what's happening. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's still prevalent now in the young entrepreneurs and young corporate people, people who have just left universities, that they're chasing the monetary figure. But until they actually experience what that does to them, they they can't step back and say, or reassess how to move forward. And that's one of the life lessons that I think people have to go through is that they have to achieve a certain amount first to be able to understand how that affects them. Mm -hmm. And speaking to the entrepreneurs I've spoken to, a lot of them go through a pivotal moment where they may actually get a, a quick surge of money and it, it isn't what they expected. So it reframes their entire approach to working or even saving money. Exactly. And and I have a 21-year-old son who is graduating from business school yep. and who has started a business with peers. And it's interesting to watch that from the outside evolve from someone that I'm so closely connected to. Mm-hmm. So again, you're completely on point. It's just a journey that people have to take on their own. If there is one tip out of the 20-odd years of your entrepreneurial journey, whether it be in writing a book, the wellness retreats that you've carried out, when it comes to feedback from your customers, is there a common theme that is always coming through? Yes, it is. And this is a great question. We did external interviews with the human resource directors and managers of the companies that we provide corporate wellness for, and we asked them, why do you continue to work with aerobics, yoga, and more? That's the name of the corporate wellness company. And all of them came back and they said, it's because of 
Althea and her personality. And that wasn't the answer we wanted at the time because we were trying to scale the business Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and figure out how we could possibly franchise or duplicate what we were doing. So that wasn't really the answer I wanted. But what that told me is that by me being my authentic self, being vulnerable, being transparent, being goofy sometimes, funny sometimes, I have a, a really eclectic look. It's unfortunate that the listeners can't see what I look like, but I'm a different, unique looking person. I think that that's magnetic and it draws people into what I'm doing. So the piece of advice that I would give to people is no matter what business you're doing, show up authentically, do what you do with joy and go above and beyond what's required of you. Make your service so outstanding that people don't want anyone else but you, your product and your service. Yeah, and when it comes to living authentically, that's how you are going to get your personal fulfillment and making sure that you enjoy the process as you're scaling or receiving that income. And I'm seeing that in a lot of the conversations that I have, but also in my approach to business, you know, living by my values, making sure that I lead by my values. That's right. And that's always the first and foremost factor in my decision making. That's right. Because you have to be totally Tommy. You can't be totally Althea because you're Tommy. And I can't be totally Tommy. I have to be awesome Althea, right? So you've hit it on the head. That's it. But then also sometimes I put my, my Power Rangers Tommy hat on and pretend that, you know, <laughs> I'm almighty and powerful. So, <laughs> <laughs> And you're that too. Yeah, yeah. And Althea, thank you so much again for being on the show today. It has been a pleasure. It has been an absolute pleasure for me as well. Thank you for having me. Peace and light. There you have it, guys. Thank you for tuning in to the Stressless Entrepreneur Podcast with me, your host, Tommy Bowie. If you like what you've heard today, please make sure you subscribe to our show and share this podcast with your friends. Leave us a review so that we can take on your comments, grow with you as a channel and keep providing you quality, stress-free content. If you have a story to tell or just want to say hi, drop me an email on hello at thestresslessentrepreneur.com. I'll catch you all on the next episode.